0: The following sermon is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. Today we continue in our worship. We continue in our celebration, God's work in our life, His, his love for us, His gathering of people together uh, to Himself that He calls His family. He adopts us into His household. Um, and each and every one of you are an irreplaceable member of that family uh, young kids who are with us this morning, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, usually at this time, we dismiss you off to your classrooms where you learn. It's not because we don't want you here. It's not because we think that you can't learn as we are learning. And in fact, as Peter mentioned, we do the same thing in here that we do in that room. And that is to learn about Jesus, his love for us, and how to live our life at an overflow of the gospel, the good news of all that he has done for us. And And I want each person, I want each person to do something here today. Uh, I want you to look around the room, and I want you to... F- Lock, lock eyes with somebody younger than you. It'd be like super awkward. I, I, at least, I want, you to, I want you to find somebody in this room younger than you. Did you find somebody? Did you find somebody younger than you? That was good. You found somebody younger than you? Good job. I want you to think about, now as you're doing that, I want you to think about the amazing privilege that, that God has given to you. Okay? If you found somebody younger than you, smaller than you, maybe, the amazing privilege God has given to you to model to that person what it looks like to love God in worship, to live as part of a diverse community of age and, 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 and otherwise, and to engage in God's mission through, through loving service. Now, if you f- couldn't find anybody younger than you, you, went, you win all the prizes today. You're, you're the winner. But what, a great, what a great thing to see as we look, look on God's brought together people in all different places in life, and we are not alone. Community means that we, we are living life together. We're sharpening one another. Um, and, and I love hearing the stories even of, you know, some, maybe some empty nesters or people have come into our church and, 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 I, and, and, and they're not very old, but they might feel old here in the midst of younger families. You are an irreplaceable part of this family, and we're so glad that you're here. I mentioned, it's been mentioned a couple times, the word Friendsgiving, right? It our event last night, Friendsgiving. It's a funny word. It's a funny word to describe an event where friends come together and have Thanksgiving dinner. So it's a word that describes what is happening during an event. And if you had a word, we can have some some fun participation here, kids or otherwise. If you had a word to describe what is happening on this event, and this day, what we're doing here today, That you thought would be a good word, it could be a made up word. You can make it up right now. Or it could be a real word. What word would you use to describe what's happening here today? Worship. Good. Worship. Heard that before. I saw a hand over there too. Oh no. No. (laughs) That's what I was gonna say. You stole it. Any other words? You can I'll give you a second to think about it. Quinn? pray very good that is a great word to describe what happens here today we for sure do that any other words friends encouraging one another friends encouraging one another that's that that's like four words <laughs> but that's good we get the idea i want to i want to we have one more oh yeah she's brave grace so good is that what you said so good, Kenley. Good job. That's absolutely what we hope would happen here today. That's a great word to describe. All those are great things to describe what happens here today. Can I give you a word? This is not a real word. This is a made-up word. Um, I want to make up a word for what happens here today, what I think happens here today, and we're going to talk about it the rest of our time. And that, here's the word. Are you ready? It's called braver unity. Braver unity, is that a weird word? Can you think of maybe, you know, like friends giving? there's a couple words in there, like friends and Thanksgiving kind of mashed together. Give me, a, give me, a, give me an idea, give me a guess of what, you, what words are in there. Quinn, you want to guess? Brave, very good. Bravery, bravery, what else? Everyone knows it, they just don't want to say it, huh? It's right there. Just say it. Yeah, close, community, bravery and community. Why why is that something that happens here today? Bravery is described as a quality of mind that enables a person to encounter danger without fear. Community is described as sharing a life together with particular people in a particular place around common interests. That's what's happening here today. Today we gather to learn how to be brave together. That's what happens in all that we do. Every time we come together, you may call it worship, you may call it prayer, you may call it grace, you may call it uh, Sunday, you may call it church. All those things are trying to describe what we actually do here. Well, here's a new word. Here is a make-believe word, braver unity. We come together in community with others to learn how to be brave, to face the challenges that God has put into our life without fear. And today we learn about a great story that teaches us how to do that. Today we gather to learn how to be brave. And I want to read this story. It's a common story that many of you are familiar with, whether you've been in church a little or not, or a lot. This is a story that many of us at least have some understanding about. And that's the story of David and Goliath. If you have your Bible, why don't you go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read this story of David and Goliath. And we're going to start reading in verse 33. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with me as I'll read it, or you can, you can follow along on the screen behind me. And here is what, here's how this story goes. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Let's go down to verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. You know this story and you know it well. You know the story of Goliath coming before God's people and David, this young boy, striking down Goliath and saving, saving God's people, rescuing God's people from the, this threat before them. In this story, God's people face a huge problem. A gigantic problem. I mean, literally, a giant problem. Goliath is, is, is assumed to be over nine feet tall in height. His armor alone weighed, a, weighed as much as a 15-year-old. Okay? It was like 125 pounds of bronze that he had on him. God, Goliath's armor weighed more than David's whole person. And they face a huge problem. Each day, Goliath would wake up, and after breakfast, he would come to the battlefield, and he would taunt God's people, and he would taunt God, and he would threaten them. He would call them names. He would bully them. He would threaten their God. He would make fun of their family and the way that they looked and acted. He would make fun of their God. And we know that as the, because the Bible tells us that that God's people were terrified. They were so afraid. And they looked everywhere among them, all among their friends and family, they looked among them to find somebody who was brave enough to go out and to challenge this monster of a man. And they couldn't find a single person. And along comes David. He is willing to face Goliath. And he defeats Goliath. Now let me just pause there before we go forward just for a minute. Think about what you know about this story. Think about the moral of the story. Think about the lesson that you're supposed to hear from this story. Think about what you have been told about this story. What is the point of this story? If you were thinking the story of David and Goliath is about me having bravery in the face of in the in the as I face challenges in my life just like David. So I need to go from here. I need to be brave like David no matter what I am facing in my life. Okay, I want you to forget about everything you learned about this story. I want you to clear it all away, and it's going to be hard to do. Because what I just told you, that's what we have all been taught about this story. We all have Goliaths in our life. We all have things that we are afraid of. So go out there and take your challenges head on like David, and don't be afraid. Forget everything you learned, and let's start over. Sunday school right now. Let's start over look at this passage fresh. What we didn't get to was the beginning of the chapter, and, 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 and it's really important. It, it's the writer goes to great lengths to describe what God, Goliath is like. And so I just want to read that description really quick in verse 5 through 10. Let me read the description of what Goliath is like. It says this. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze and he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. That's like 15 pounds, like the tip of his spear weighed as much as like 40 apples Sorry, I just went to Sprouts. Um, <laughs> I do not even know where I was. And his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I, am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be my servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that he may fight, that we may fight together. Goliath is taunting. Goliath is strong. Goliath is filled from head to toe with armor. Do you want to know who is a clear picture of bravery in this story of David and Goliath? It's Goliath. He's brave. Does Goliath sound like a man who is afraid? Does Goliath sound like a man who's a coward? No. If you want a picture in the Bible of a brave person, I'm showing you Goliath every time. Not only is he strong, he has high self-esteem. He has confidence. He has the reputation. He is called a warrior. He is undefeated. He goes out there and he says, any man that comes out, I will match up with him and I will defeat him. Send anyone you got. Send, send 10 of them. No one can fight me. You know what? If I'm looking in the Bible to, to give you an object lesson of how to be brave, I'm not showing you David. I'm showing you Goliath. So what's the point? See, if this story is not about be brave like David and face your challenges, what is it about then? This story is not about bravery in the face of challenges. What is it? It is about two different kinds of bravery. One is wrong and the other wrong. Is true. You know what David and Goliath is about? It's not about being brave. It is about two ways to be brave. And one kind of bravery is evil and wicked. And one kind of bravery is good and right. And that's the kind of bravery that we want. That's the kind of bravery that God desires for us. So forget what you've learned. This isn't about being brave in the face of challenges. Let's take a fresh look. First, let's look. Let's look at Goliath. Let's look at the wrong way to be brave. You already know who the wrong is. You'll know who the right is. But let's look at Goliath. He was brave because of one primary reason. He was brave because he looked at himself. He looked what he had to offer and brought to the table. He says, look at me. I am twice your size, probably three times your size. I have all the latest armor and equipment, and you have nothing. I haven't lost a battle yet. No one is better than me. And look at you compared to me. I am brave because I know that no one can beat me. Because look at me. I have brute strength. I've got confidence. I am brave because I'm stronger than you. And Saul even goes to to David and he looks at Goliath and he says, David, Saul, this is what he literally says, says, Saul, you are just a child, but, Saul, or, but Goliath has been fighting wars since he was a child. So in our, in our terminology today, Saul says this, David, he's got, he's got swords older than you. He's got war boots older than you. He's got helmets with blood on it from his enemies older than you. You don't stand a chance, right? That those are things that we say. Goliath's bravery is the same kind of bravery that the world tells us for how to be brave. The world's bravery is based on who you are and what you've accomplished. The world looks at cowardice and says, you need to be brave. You need to be stronger. You need to to not be afraid. You need to look in yourself. You need to realize who you are. You need to realize what you bring to the table. It's the kind of bravery that is driven by a desire to make you look big and others look small. And you could be brave if, if you have enough within yourself to overcome the fears that you face. So Goliath is actually very brave. He is very brave. But his bravery is not the right kind of bravery. Now let's look at David's bravery. We know his bravery is the right kind of bravery, but, but why? We know his bravery is the right kind, but why? Let's look at verse 45 again and this this verse gives us the clue then david said to the philistine you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin but i come to you in the name of the lord of hosts the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied so that's it right i mean is that it we just have to be like david we just have to have faith like david we need to trust and and believe like david and and goliath was was bad, and he was trusting in himself, and so we just need to be like David and have more faith in God, who is able. And if we have faith like David, then, then that's the right kind of bravery, right? Maybe you're thinking, yes, but you don't sound like that's it. <laughs> No, we're on the right track. I want to say, yes, this is right. This is the the verse that gives us the clue for how to have this right kind of bravery. And we're definitely getting there. We're definitely getting close, but we need to learn a little bit more about what's going on here. I've I've heard this so much from Christians. Many Christians say, "If if you just have enough faith, if you just dig down deep and believe, then you don't have to be afraid of anything. Then God will come through for you. If you just have enough faith, you'll, you'll and you'll be able to face any challenge that God gives to you. You can do it. You can do it because just believe in God and your Goliaths in your life will be struck down and they will fade away. You know what that sounds like still, though? It still sounds like Goliaths' bravery. It still sounds like dig deep, deep in yourself and see what you have and, 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 and get more faith and get more belief. And if you just had more like David, then your Goliath would be defeated. It sounds like this is also the bravery of Goliath because it's still saying that I am not brave because I am lacking something. I am lacking some kind of character, some kind of of accomplishment, some kind of nature within me. And if I just get more of that, if I'm just a better person, if I'm just more like David then I won't have to be afraid of the challenges I face. Face, And in a weird way, when Christians do this, they're actually acting no more like Goliath. No, they're, actually, they're, actually, they're acting just like him. So we are meant to put ourselves in this story. And this is so difficult. It's so difficult to see this, that, that even our attempts at bravery by even saying, well, I just need to have more faith, it's so difficult because it seems like the worst trouble in the Bible was reserved for the best people in the Bible. John the Baptist. Jesus even says there's no one with more faith than him. He was beheaded. <laughs> Peter, Paul, Moses. I mean, Jesus. Let's just look at, the, let's look at the perfecter of faith. Jesus. There's no one better than him. And it seems like the worst was actually reserved for him. And so to to say that the Goliaths in my life, the fears in my life, the challenges that I face will be defeated if I just had more faith, the Bible does not back up that claim. Because it seems like the people with the most faith face the most challenges, the biggest fears, the biggest Goliaths. And so we are meant to put ourselves in the story. And if you want to figure out who you are in the story, I hate to tell you, you're not David. And neither am I. I'm not David. Every time we read a narrative, it's good to say, okay, what happened then? And what does that mean for today? And who am I in the story? Where are you in the story? I'll tell you where you are. You're with me in the crowds making up excuses for why we're not going to go out there and fight Goliath. That's where you are. And that's where I am. Every time a challenge is be- put before us, something terrifying, something scary, something that we don't want to face, we are trying to figure out a way to get out of it. That's where we are. We are in the back of the crowds, and we are saying, will anyone fight for us? And we find no one. Some of our excuses are really sophisticated. Some of our excuses are really sophisticated, but we are cowards. We lack bravery. We lack courage. We're not given this story, despite what you've been told, we are not given this story to give us an example for how to be brave. Let me take a moment and tell you, if you feel shame, you know what, you know what stories like this and, 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 and stories when we look at examples and character examples in the Old Testament, and then we are told and we are raised to say, and we're, we're grown up in the church, and we are told, You need to be more like David. You need to be brave. And then we fail. We feel shame. If you feel shame when you fail, if you feel humiliated when you experience weakness, you know why you feel that way? It's because you probably were told your whole life, you need to be more brave. You need to have greater faith. You need to be more courageous. You need to be less weak. You need to be strong. You know who's strong? David's strong. Be more like David. And so you look through the Bible and you see all these people who, did, who lived life the right way and you say, what's wrong with me? Why can't I live life the right way? You feel like a loser. You feel like a failure. You feel like a bad Christian, a bad person. Because we are told, be strong, don't be afraid, be confident, don't show weakness. And sooner or later, I don't know where it happens, maybe around seven or eight or nine or ten years old, you realize that you're human, and you're not Superman, you're not Wonder Woman, and there are things that actually make you grieve, there are things that make you cry, there are things that make you afraid, there are things that make you feel defeated, there are things that make you scared, and you say, I don't want to go out there and fight those battles, and you feel like a loser because you think, well, I should be that person, I should be brave, I should be a great Christian. And you don't know how to deal with the reality of being a broken person living in a broken world Because you've been trying your whole life to not be broken. You've been trying your whole life to be brave. Because you think that's what God admires. Bravery, like David, is what God loves. The story of of David and Goliath is not that. The story of David and Goliath is that the God of the Bible saves his people not through instruments of human greatness, but through instruments of weakness. And I bet that point has never been told to you when you read this story. But that is what it is about. This story, and here are some clues that show us why this is what it's about. This story goes to tremendous lengths, great lengths, to describe the strongest person in the world. So this story goes to great lengths describing that the strongest person is defeated. And it goes at great lengths to show that the weakest person, the smallest person, is triumphant. This story is not about be brave and you won't be afraid. This story is about bravery comes to us, not through human strength, not through instruments of our own character and ability and trying harder. It comes through God who is capable. It comes through God in a show of weakness. David is too puny. David is not even strong enough to carry armor on his own body. David is not strong enough to carry his own sword. He has to to carry a fanny pack and and little three-inch stones. If you saw a picture of David, I mean, in a snapshot, if you were on this hill and in this valley and you were going to war, and I told you nothing about the story, and I asked you, look at these two men. Who do you think God wants you to be more like? Every single one of you is saying, Goliath. This story is meant to point out that the strongest loses and the weakest wins. God saves us not through a show of strength. He saves us through an instrument of weakness. David's bravery is not an example for us to emulate. He is not an example for us. He is, a rather, he is a representative. He is not an example. He doesn't say, be more like me. David is a representative. He is a pointer. Rather, he is saying, let me show you what the Savior will look like who will save God's people. David is a representative of God's Savior who will save his people from their own cowardice. David is a representative of the king who would eventually come to utterly save his people and defeat the enemies of his people once and for all and forever. David is a representative of the future king that God would raise up, who would come not in a show of human greatness, but in but in weakness. David is a pointer to Jesus Christ. He is the son of David. He is the, the one that would come and sit on David's throne forever. David goes out there and he tells Goliath, I just I love this. He says, well, this is the first time we actually hear David speak ever in the Bible. And he says, okay, well, first the conversation that he has with Saul, and then he goes out and, the first, and he speaks to Goliath. And he says, okay, okay Goliath, if I, if I fight you, let's come up with some terms. If I fight you and I win, then my people go free. And everyone will know that the living God is among us. And if I fight you and I die, then we'll all agree that God is not among us. But do we agree that if I go out and I fight you and I win, then we agree that my people go free and the living God is among us and he's powerful and he's working in us. And he says, okay, let's do it. We know what happens. This is exactly what Jesus does for us. This is exactly the role that Jesus plays. Do you know why Jesus was born? Some say well, to show us how to live, to be a good example. My goodness. My goodness. Jesus was born to confront our greatest enemies. Do you know why Jesus was led to the cross? You know why he was born? You know why he lived a life that was perfect? You know why he he lived in anguish of humiliation and and rejection and alienation, struggling struggling with temptation? Do you know why he went to the cross to die? To confront our greatest enemy? Jesus goes to the cross, confronting our greatest enemy, Satan and death itself. And it says, if Jesus is saying, here's the deal. If I come down there, and if I fight you and I win, my people go free. And then everyone will know that they belong to me and I belong to them. And the living God is among them. Deal? Deal. Jesus goes to the cross. He confronts our greatest enemy, sin and death itself. He defeats it. He takes our sin, bears it on the cross. God sees that sacrifice as as acceptable in his sight. And on the third day, Jesus rises from the grave, triumphing over death. And he says, let's keep to the terms. My people go free. And now everyone knows that a living God is among them. Our forgiveness of sin And our acceptance in God's love did not come through a show of strength, but weakness through Christ laying down his life for us. This means that our God was brave when we are cowards to save us, and he won. Sin and the devil taunt us. The struggles of the world taunt us. The struggles that you are going through right now, it is as if Satan is saying, You gonna really try to be brave? Do you really, can you really defeat that? Can you confront that struggle in your life? And you you search back deep into your heart and mind and into your psyche and into your self-will, and you tell yourself, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I can face this, and I can have victory over it. And I've learned from my mistakes. I'm a better person now than ever. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I'm reading my Bible. And I'm gonna have enough faith this time, face, uh, faith this time to confront my challenges. You know, we're like the people looking around, and say, "Can anybody fight?" And all of us are saying, "No." The point is not to be more like David. We try, we fail. David <clears throat> will be delivered in this battle, not because he has true grit and determination, not because he has all the right equipment and experience, but because he knows the true God who is capable to fight his battles. What matters is not that we have the best examples. What matters is not that we have the best weapons. What matters is that we have a real God, a living God that is among us, that dwells in us. David would later grow up. And he would have to prepare for another battle. This time not against a giant. This time not against lions and bears. And he would write about that battle that he's preparing for. And he writes about it in Psalm 20. And in Psalm 20, verse 7, David says this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Lions. Bears, armies, <laughs> kings. It is fitting to ask, okay, well what, what are those what are those Goliaths? It is it is fitting to say that. The, the, it does not matter what the object of your fear is, because the one in whose hand you are kept is better. Bravery comes not from reflecting on what we hope God will do. It comes not from reflecting on our strengths, but on God, what he has already done for us in our past. Bravery comes from knowing what Jesus did for us. And what did he do? He went into the valley of death, confronted our enemy, fought our battles, and he won. I want you to picture again. Bring yourself back to this war valley. You got Goliath and the Philistines on one hill. And you have David and the Israelites on another hill. And in between is the valley. It's called the valley of death because this is where the armies would come together and this is where they would fight. David descends into the valley. Goliath descends into the valley. They fight and David wins. David kills. He kills the enemy. This is what Jesus does. He descends into that valley of death. He faces our enemy. He fights the battle, and he wins. Consider how you typically face challenges in your life. You have a challenge in front of you right now. It could be a relationship conflict. It could be a surgery that's impending. It could be grief that you're experiencing. It could be a temptation to to look. You're going to have temptation to look inside yourself at what you are capable of doing in that moment, And we need to resist that that urge. You are going to be tempted to look inside yourself and say, what can I bring to the battle? And how can I fight the fight that I've never fought before so that I can win? No one becomes brave by trying to be brave. We become brave by resting in a real God who is enough for us, even when we don't have enough in ourselves. Our ultimate hope in the face of anything that we fear is not that we are capable of taking on a challenge like that. Our ultimate hope is in God, who is capable, even when we are weak. Don't be David. You're not David. You're not going to be that. You're never going to do that. (laughs) Who can do that? Don't be David. God is capable. He is alive. He lives among us. And that allows us to be brave. Let's pray.